Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to ask, if you will, to turn with me, uh, turn with me here to the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4, and uh, as you're aware, we have been taking our central text on Wednesday nights, uh, preaching this sermon series on the walk, the wisdom, and the will of God, and uh, we have been spending some time here on exercising godly wisdom. We have preached about and taught on how it is we go about asking God for wisdom, pursuing wisdom, attaining wisdom, practicing wisdom. And uh, we have covered some specifics. We've covered uh, specifics of wisdom in our uh, relationships, our connections. And we've been dealing with wisdom in our conversations and, and uh, our, our words and what we say in conversations. Last week, we had talked about truth and timing. Uh, the importance of truth and timing in our conversation. I want to say thank you. It's encouraging. It's an, it encourages your pastor when I hear from you. And uh, I'm not saying that tonight to solicit uh, anything, but I am saying thank you because they're at the, oh, through the course of this sermon series and most recently, uh, in uh, this subject of relationships and conversations, there's been a lot of feedback uh, from the church, and uh, and uh, I just appreciate. It. I'm thankful that God's speaking, that God's dealing and challenging our hearts. Amen. It's what the Word of God does, doesn't it? And, uh, and so tonight, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to uh, start reading at verse number 1. If you will stand with us for the reading here of God's Word. And we are going to uh, delve into a subject here uh, in regards to uh, the subject of exercising godly wisdom and doing so here off of something that I believe is a part of, you cannot get away from it, as we've been talking about relationships We've been talking about conversation. These things uh, go hand in hand. You cannot have relationship without there being clear communication, right communication. And so we've been talking about these things, but we're going to look at this tonight and uh, just believe the Lord to help us. Amen. Ephesians 4, starting at verse number 1, if you're there with me, why don't you say Amen. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That word beseech means I beg of you. I beseech you that you walk worthy. Notice that term there, walk worthy. We've been talking about the walk, our relationship with God. That's what this connotates, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, listen to this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, to keep the, the, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Somebody say, you got to work at it. Look at your neighbor, tell him, say, you got to work at it. Look at somebody again and tell him, say, it don't come automatically. Amen. So if I may tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to preach, teach on this subject and it's one of those things you just kind of buckle up, hang on, amen. But we're going to preach on wisdom in conflict, amen. Wisdom in conflict. <gasps> Brother Jacob, you shouldn't talk about that don't happen amongst church people. ha, <laughs> That don't happen in my family. That don't happen in my marriage. That don't happen amongst 
my, My relationship with people on the job, oh, exercising godly wisdom in conflict. Amen. You alive, your heart's beating, you will be in conflict. You will. And so, therefore, the Word of God teaches us how we can handle conflict godly, in a godly manner, and with exercising godly wisdom. Let's pray. We're going to need it. Father, we thank you tonight for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do, Lord, to speak to us. And Lord, I pray tonight you'd speak clearly. Father, I ask that you would help us, help us that we have ears to hear, and Lord, a heart to receive. But Lord, let it not stop at the hearing, but Lord, let us do. And Father, I pray, challenge us. I believe you have been over these course of weeks and months in regards to our walk, our relationship with you, and exercising godly wisdom so that we may become all that you've called us to be, that we might clearly exercise, live out, and practice the will of God. Father, I pray tonight, anoint my mind and lips. Help us to preach in the way that would bring you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, and the church would say, amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Praise the Lord. Wisdom in conflict. Praise the Lord. As I made mention, let me say this in the fact that tonight I want to be very careful Uh, to be very clear about something here, and that is this, is that I do not want to demonize conflict. I don't want to demonize it. Because there are conflicts that make us better. There are conflicts that are necessary. There are conflicts that are going to happen if they have not already. They are going to happen within your inner circle, amongst your immediate family. It's going to happen with your extended family. Conflicts are going to happen within your church family. Conflicts are going to happen at the places of your employment Conflict is a part of the human experience. And so I say tonight with as much sincerity as I can is that I do not want to demonize conflict because as I said, as we are alive, we're living and breathing and hearts are beating, conflict is going to be. However, What I will say that we must be careful and cautious of and what we're looking here at tonight is that we do have to take a look into God's Word as to how do I deal with conflict in my life. How is it that I am uh, navigating my way around people that I love? Around people, let me say it like this, that I am trying to get to heaven with. Amen. People that I want to see God bless them and move in their life. How do we navigate conflict in a godly way and with wisdom, godly wisdom being exercised and not give the enemy any space in the midst of conflict? Understand tonight that I want you to know that our church, my family, your family, people that we all love, none of us are exempt. None of us are in a place as to where you magically arrive in an area of your life to where you say, I am free of all trial. I am free of tribulation. I am free of people having a different opinion opinion than I do. 
I am free of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the fact that I am not criticized or I am not put under a microscope at times for my points of views or maybe where my stand might be. It was an old philosopher who had said this, that if a man does not want any critique in his life, then he should say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. That sounds quite boring to me, doesn't it, you? Amen. I will say tonight that there are going to be differences of opinions. There are going to be differences in the way that things are done. There are going to be different ideals in regards to certain things. Maybe it can be spiritual things, most definitely. Maybe it is conflict. Maybe it is a tug of war. Maybe at times it seems like going against the grain or a sandpaper would work on a piece of wood if you will and you, you just boy you just feel like you're being worked over and beat up and, and, and how do I handle this and what do I do in regards to these things we find here in Ephesians 4 that there is a call there is a plea as a matter of fact the apostle Paul says I beg of you amen I I want you to notice a couple of things here in this particular scripture. He says in this, uh, in, in regards to Ephesians 4, he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Brother Roderick, this apostle, this man of God, who had, uh, I mean, just been a, 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 a powerhouse. I don't know how else to say it. He had been anointed by God, establishing churches, helping develop that New Testament church, uh, reaching out to those Gentiles and, 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 and Jews alike, but there was much conflict that was going on. You cannot read the epistles of Paul. You cannot read about early church history. You would have to be blind not to see the fact that there was much conflict that was going on. As a matter of fact, if you want to see a, a picture of a church that is having conflict, I encourage you just start reading Corinthians both first and second. There's all kinds of conflict going on. There's conflict on how the gifts of the Spirit are being used. There's conflict over communion. There's conflict over submission. There's conflict over all types of things. I mean there's all kinds of stuff. I think if, if Paul if, if we could talk to him today, Brother Christian he would have said, I probably would have been better suited to put on a referee shirt and have a whistle in my hand. Come on here. Get like one of them NFL uh, uh, referees. Just carry some flags in your pocket. <laughs> and he every, I mean, Brother Roderick, this man's trying to have revival. He's trying to see souls saved into the kingdom. And, and Sister Linda, that man, he was fighting every kind of devil, every kind of a, a, a spirit of division and disgruntledness and, and discontentment going on. And I mean, I, he, here he is. He's just trying to manage all of these personalities, all of these conflicts. When we take a look at this, Paul says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, here is this man who had been used of God, establishing, teaching, edifying, working with church leaders and churches, but yet here he is in a place. He is in prison at the writing of this letter. He is not there to put hands on. He is not there, brother, you need a referee. He is not there to cause a time out and, and separate the, the fight that might be going on. He's not there. And so here's what he says. He says, I beg of you. I beg of you. If we, the church, are going to be all that God would have us to be, he said, you're going to have to make up your mind to handle yourself in an appropriate way that would bring glory to God and edify his church and edify the believers that are with you in that household of faith. 
He said, I need you to endeavor to do this. He says, I need you to dig deep. Listen to the, listen to the verbiage that is used. He says, I need you to use long-suffering. That's a long, ugly word to get out of your mouth. Long-suffering. <laughs> That's kind of how we say it in Oh, I'm suffering long with this situation. I'm suffering long with this one. All you married folk keep looking right at me. Do not, Sister Janie, don't look over there. Don't you do it. (laughs) Oh, I'm suffering long in this situation. He said, I need you to forbear one another. I need you to come to a place as to where you understand that there has to be and there can be and there should be a godly resolution to the conflicts that are going on around us. I want you to understand. I believe that Paul was trying to encourage and remind the church is that as long as we are caught up in our conflicts, as long as we are caught up in our politics, as long as we are caught up in our cliques and clubs, as long as we are divided, as long as we have prejudices, as long as we find ourselves always trying to prove our point, we're right and everybody else is wrong. He said you are called up and you are distracted by things that will not prove beneficial in the end. He said these things must be resolved. There must be a common ground. There must be a common denominator so that we can go on with Jesus and do the will of God. Amen. The church and our lives personally have often been handicapped because of the way we handle conflict. Hear me. You ain't got it. Don't stand around, point your finger and wag your tongue at the devil all the time blaming him for everything. And a lot of it has been on the way that we have handled ourselves. On what we have done or what we have not done. I want you to understand tonight that as we look at this, when we talk about wisdom in our relationships and our conversations, it is important to look at this element that will encompass both of these dynamics. Conflict is found in conversation. Conflict is found in relationships. But I want to remind the church, I want to remind somebody here tonight personally that maybe you're in the middle of conflict. There is a resolution. There is a godly way to do this there is a right way to do it to where relationships do not have to be destroyed amen thank you all three of you praise the lord we'll get the rest there amen listen sadly there has been much embarrassment for the christian in regards to how conflict is handled We preach all day long about grace. We write elaborate songs about forgiveness and mercy. We talk about the goodness of God and how we are. We can make our posts and look so spiritual on social media platforms about how good we ought to be to one another and a spirit, of, a right spirit and all these things. But often we do not practice what we are preaching. Amen. Oftentimes it's on the contrary. Conflict will happen. Let me just point to you so you are aware. I want you to know that when it comes to conflict, you're in good company. You're not on an island by yourself. You don't have a plague. It's not the fact that you're backslid or lost. Come on here. I'm preaching to the saved folks tonight. I want you to understand conflict's going to happen. I want you to listen. Look at the Bible. Let me just, I'm just going to put names together, and you'll find that in these relationships, there was conflict. There was conflict. Abraham and Lot. Some would say, well, it wasn't Abraham and Lot specifically, but Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, they could not get along. 
And there came a point where Abraham told Lot, said, we're going to have to separate. We're going to have to separate. You choose where you want to go, and I'll take the other avenue. Conflict. Jacob and Esau. Oh, the classic tale of older brother against younger brother. A, a mother. Come on. If you, if you think your family's crazy, you just read about, oh, Jacob and Rachel and Lee. I mean, that's a mess. It, it is as the world turned before the world turn ever came on television. I'm telling you, you got a daddy-in-law, deceiving son-in-law, puts the different daughter in the tent. He wakes up, what in the world's going on? This ain't Rachel, right? Laban says, you want Rachel, you got to work another seven years. Come on here. Brother against brother. Mama goes in, tells son how to, how to trick their blind father. Ooh, I'm telling you, soap opera. You think you got problems. They had problems. Jacob and Esau, conflict. Joseph and his brothers. Joseph trying at 16, 17, where most theologians place him when God is speaking to him in dreams. He's trying to figure it all out. So this 17-year-old boy goes before his older brothers and said, I mean, uh, 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 is Andy or Caleb the youngest? Christian's the youngest. Christian's the youngest. And it'd be like Christian going in to Jeremy and Andy and Caleb and saying, guess what, fellas? God done talk to me. Guess who's going to be the head nacho around here? Guess who? Guess you. And, and when God spoke to me, you boys are going to bow down to me. Woo! I bet that'd go over like a lead balloon. Come on, it did for Joseph. He's, going, he's telling that. He even goes to daddy. He said, hey, by the way, mom and dad, I saw the sun and the moon, which represents you. Y'all were even bowing down to me. Oh, all of a sudden, they already didn't like Joseph. He was favorite. He had special clothes made for him. Daddy, Daddy went down and had Armani make him a coat of many colors. Come on here. They was still getting stuff from Walmart, not Joseph. He was having handmade clothes. They'd look at him every time he'd put his jacket on. Boy, they'd shake their head and grit their teeth. I, I just want to go over there and rip that jacket right off. I'll show him a thing or two. And look at this entitled brat. Now he Thinks we're going to bow down to him. I can hear him right now. Can you hear him, Brother Segura? I will never. That'll be the last thing that'll ever happen. I'll never do it. They all devised they were going to kill him, Sister Kimberly. Hate got so bad. Conflict at such a climax. We're going to kill him. It was only Reuben. By the grace of God and God's design and master plan, Reuben said, let's not kill him. At least we can fake his death. We'll sell him into slavery. Conflict. Somebody shout, Conflict. Joseph and his brothers. Let me keep on. I want to encourage you tonight. You're not the only one. Moses and Aaron. Moses been up that mountain. God forbid he's up there too long praying, Brother Rod. God forbid he's up there too long getting the mind of God, getting commandments from God on stone tablets. All the Israelites down there, they can't help themselves. He's gone too long. He's dead. Something's happened. Come on, let's make us our own God. And they, they hornswoggle Aaron into heaven. I mean, they're throwing in earrings and their jewelry and they're making their golden calf and having an, having an immoral uh, uh, party down there. Moses comes down and says, what in the world is going on around here? So mad, he, he takes the, the law and throws it and busts it. Somebody shout conflict. David and Jonathan. But hold on, pastor. The Bible says that their hearts were knit together. David loved Jonathan and Jonathan loved David. 
On many occasions, it was Jonathan that saved David from his father Saul. But there became a conflict when Jonathan chose Saul over David. Conflict. When we look at the Word of God, we see that there are examples. Paul and Peter, they had different difference of opinions in regards to things of the spiritual realm, teaching amongst the Jews, Jewish traditions, Jewish sacraments. And what Paul was saying, that there's things that still y'all are holding on to that was under the law. And there's things now we're trying to reach the Gentiles. And, and we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do this. And you want to split hairs over circumcision and dietary things and and remember Peter remember the vision you had at the housetop of Cornelia there was there was conflict Paul and Mark there was such a sharp division that they had to separate ways if the gospel was going to be effective if the missions was going to take done if both men could serve in the capacities that God called them to they had to part ways somebody say conflict it's there it's real I've showed you in the Bible since we know conflict will come There must be a plan and practice in place of what we will do when it comes. I like what author Max Licato said. Conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. Let me say that again. Conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. There are some that are in the church that you know no other way to resolve conflict than to get combative. Combative with your attitude, combative with your language, combative in the fact that you want to be sure that when you are offended, you tell the people closest to you so they are on your side before they even really know the story. Dividing lines, my team versus their team. Conflict, when it's not been handled properly, it has been the culprit. It has been the culprit. Let me, and let me say it like this, not conflict in itself, but the way that it has been handled. It is the culprit of churches being split. It is the corp, uh, culprit of marriages winding up in divorce. It is the culprit of children and parents carrying grudges against one another, not speaking for years, no holidays shared, no joyous times, conflict, conflict. And when we handle it in a combative way, I very quickly, I want to give you three things. I could have come up with 50, but we're going to do three. Because I don't want you leaving here, your head swimming, and you only remembered three anyway, even if I gave you 50. One of the first things that I want you to recognize is that in resolving conflict is that you must take initiative to resolve it. You must take initiative to resolve it. The moment you sense a problem in relationships with people, take the first step towards making it right. Hear me. Even if, somebody shout, even if. Because right now, as soon as I said that, as soon as I said, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm sounding like your mama right now, aren't I? Now, you be the bigger person. You do the right thing. Laura, you do the right thing right now. I hear your mama saying it. She's back there shaking her head. She's told you that before. You do, you do this. You, you, you do these things. And some of you right now, already, your spiritual porcupines went up. <laughs> yeah, I get it, preacher. I understand. You're supposed to say that. You're preaching tonight. You're behind the pulpit. You're supposed to sound spiritual. You want me to make the first step, do the right thing, but you don't know. You don't get it. You don't understand it. There has to be an initiative that is taken. Listen to me. When we look at this, even if, 
Even if you think the other person was wrong. And let me just put it to you like this. When there is conflict, most of the time it's because you think the other person is wrong. So even when you think that, and somebody's sitting there going, I don't think it, I know it. I know it. I'm convinced of it. And you've done nothing at all to provoke him or her. Then approach that person face to face. Conflict seldom is completely resolved. All right, are you ready, you millennials, generation Xers? Are you ready? Here you go. This is probably the most sound piece of advice I can give you right now. Are you ready? It is seldom resolved through email, letters, texting, phone calls, and God help us, social media. You know why? You can't see the other person's face. You can't look into their eyes. And you can't read their body language. I get tickled at my wife. If you've ever received a text message from Carolyn Smith, it is full of laughy faces, smileys, laughy cries, a sad, a tear. It's, it's just chock full. I told her, I said, I don't know if you're trying to tell me something or if this is paint by number. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what this is. And, and you know what she said, Brother Roderick? Bless her heart. This is what she said. she said. She said, you can't, nobody can understand or can hear what I'm trying to say. She said, so I tried to put a visual in there. I tried to show it. I don't want, she said, there's too much misconstrued through text messages. There's too much left unsaid because you know you've done it. There, maybe things were a little bit tense. Maybe there was some intense fellowship at the house. Brother Christian. Oh, I know you, I know you newlyweds. There ain't, there ain't no intense fellowship yet. And sister, sister Shelby, she's texting something, and brother Chris just, duh, 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 duh. and number one, he does that, sister Shelby, because he's a man. We text the way we talk, very little. Duh, 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 duh. And then sister Shelby, before she ever responds, she says, well now, is that how you're going to text me? I can tell there's no love in that text message. I can tell he didn't mean that. And so here's what happens is that when it comes to conflict, let me say this. There are people, you are bold and brave and brazen behind a keyboard, behind a computer screen, behind something that is between you and that person. Can I tell you that that is not the right way to come to resolution when there is conflict? Do not be vague. Do not put things out there to be interpreted. Do not speak in generalities. I'm telling you, friends, otherwise you will leave things left to assumption and that will kill a relationship quicker than anything. That will hinder revival. It'll hinder a move of God. What do you mean, Brother Jacob? I'm getting ready to read to the scripture of what, where Christ said of how it should be handled. Sometimes if you can't get to somebody, I understand a phone call might be necessary, but at least get on the phone so they can hear your voice. Let's not hide out. Friends, hiding and scheming and divisions is the work of the devil. Be intentional and go to that person and be man enough, woman enough to stand face to face and say, we've got an issue and we've got to work this out amen. amen brother Jake keep on preaching okay hear me we cannot it's too easy to hide behind things there are some of you that right now you have assumed that somebody feels a certain way about you because you're trying to interpret something through a screen 
and there's still awkwardness, there's still bitterness. And let me tell you something, when there is no initiative that is taken to go to somebody and make something right, you have opened the door to hold a grudge. You have opened the door for the root of bitterness to spring up in your heart. You have opened the door. Hear me. Hear your pastor right now. You have opened the door to where you can't even worship right. You open the door when you do not take the initiative to make something right with somebody. You'll say, Brother Jacob, what you're getting ready to say is bold. And I don't know if I agree with you. Well, you'll have to take it up with the Word of God. I'm getting ready to give you the proof. If you're in conflict, you have not tried to make it right. You're holding a grudge. You're being offended. You don't have it under the blood. You're not trying to make it right. You also, you can't worship right. You can't serve right. And let me say this, your prayer life is hindered. Some folks, let me just tell you, it's not the devil blocking your prayers. It's not the devil. It ain't demons. It ain't this and that that's standing in the way. For a lot of people, and they don't want to admit it, it's unrepented sin and it is not making things right. Thank you, Brother Chad. Hear me. Now, here's where I get that from. Matthew 5. Write it down. Put your bookmark there. Read it, memorize it, live by it. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Listen to this. This situation, Jesus said it's not even necessarily that you did something to them. Maybe they got something against you, and you know it. Now, maybe you did something to provoke it. He said, leave thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother. And then, somebody say, and then. And then, come and offer thy gift. I told you it wasn't Brother Jacob's opinion. That is God's word. And so, therefore, if I want my gift to be accepted at that altar, I had better be sure that I have things right in the relationships with the people around me. Why do you think that sometimes the, the biggest arguments that are going to happen for a married couple are going to happen before you get to church? Because then you're going to sit there, mad as can be. You're not getting nothing out of the service, right? You're not thinking about anything. What you're thinking of is when I get to that car, you thought, oh, that's a good point right there. I'm, when I get in that, I'm going to tell them that. God, you must have gave me that. I... Thank you, Lord. You proved me right. You proved me right one more time. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, and I'm going to tell, and it's going to shut them up. They ain't going to know what to say. See, you're laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. I appreciate Udy's honesty. Come on here. The Word of God says, or you have that ought, you look across the way, and there's old brother so-and-so. Well, I can just park right here. I, I know I'm not going to get to all three of my points. So this will be a, a to be continued. But let me say this. Sometimes the alt is, is that you're looking at somebody and they have something that you wanted. And I hope that you understand I'm not just speaking on a materialistic level. There are some people who are that petty. There are some people who get all been out of shape if, they'd get all been out of shape if Brother Roderick pulled up in a brand new pickup. They would. Some people would. Now, I already preached on this a while back about Carmen's vehicle. We are celebrating her vehicle. 
That night after church, everybody ran to Carmen and said, we're so happy for you. At least they heard what I had to say, Sister Carmen. <laughs> Some folks, you buy a new house, they're going to they have a problem with you. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> oh, you, you, you went where on vacation? Well, whoop-de-doo. Come on. Yeah. Must be nice. They, all the rich folk, I tell you what. They must, I, I don't know. They must not have to buy gas in America. I don't Come on. For some, for some people, conflict generates because they want something you have. Let me go a little bit further. Some are jealous of relationships. Some get bent out of shape. Maybe because God is working in and through you in a way that He's not in them. I'm not making this up. I've been in the church long enough. I've seen it happen time and time again. I've watched. I, I remember growing up with young ministers. And man, some of them, they'd get downright jealous and mean if, if somebody else got invited to preach at so-and-so's church and they didn't get to and then sometimes those young ministers get cocky and arrogant and they'd tell all their buddies, yeah, I get to go preach about so-and-so. revival, going to do this. And they knew, they knew what they were doing. Some, because here's the problem. Sometimes conflict stems from because you can't be happy for what somebody else is being blessed with. Sometimes in the fact of conflict, when we look at some of these things, friends, I want you to understand that there are a lot of derivatives. There are a lot of things that can create conflict. And there are a lot of things to go, but I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at tonight is there has to be first, and I'm not moving past this point, there has to be the initiative. There has to be the initiative. Do not stand in a place where God cannot use you move through you, work through you, or hear your prayer because you refuse to make a move. Pride is destructive. Pride has killed a lot of relationships. It's tore up a lot of churches. It's divided a lot of families. We are often holding other people accountable for their actions while we want to be held accountable for our intentions. I never intended, never meant to. What has to happen is when we take initiative, do you know what has to take place? Something inside of us has to change. And the most important thing is, Brother Eli, we have to get over ourselves and make our way to somebody and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brother Danny, if you'd come. Sunday morning after church, I had a couple of young men standing right here talking with me. It was not an end of the world situation. Just a conversation. But what happened, Brother Roderick, is that there was a lines of communication got crossed. And so there was a perception of one thing when the reality was something different. So when they were talking with me about it, number one, they did the right thing and just came to pastor. They refrained from running to everybody else in the church first. So that's A plus right there. Because it has been very easy just to go home and say, hey, this and this happened. Can you believe that? I can't believe he did that. And then this one goes, say, hey, Laura, come here. I, I, I mean, th they did this, and I can't believe that that happened. Can you believe that? And then Laura, pick up the phone and call Carmen. Carmen, can you believe? I can't believe they did that. <laughs> and before you know it, the other party, they walk into church unsuspecting, not knowing what's going on, and everybody's... Given the old stinky eye. But what they did is they right there they were talking. 
The other brother came because I told, I told one, I said, listen. I said, first of all, I said, well, we had discussed it before. And I said, so you discuss it again. Talk about it again. This, listen, it's not always a one and done. There are some things that's got to be talked through. I, hey, listen, I get it. You're not running the aisles and we're not swinging from chandeliers. But this right here, this is God's word. And I'm trying to help you with something tonight. That's right, Brother Roger. Why? Because, Brother Chad, the Word of God said, endeavor. Endeavor. We keep trying. We keep working. So I told him, I said, that's right. So you communicate again. Go to him. Talk to him. Well, I, I will. And I was real nice the first time. I said, congratulations, as you should be. Be nice. You ain't got to be combative. You ain't got to walk into a conversation with a chip on your shoulder. I said, you're doing all the right things, but you've got to continue with conversation. About that time, said brother came in to the sanctuary. He went, grabbed another brother that the conversation was with, brought them together right there. And Sister Sandy put his arms around both of them. He said, fellas, he said, I don't want this to get out of hand by any stretch. Here's what I said. Here's what I was trying to do. And right then, Brother Roderick, the whole atmosphere changed. Necks were hugged. Hands were shaked. I'm sorry's were exchanged. We was able to go on and we had another move of God Sunday night. You can't have a move of God when there's a bunch of junk stirred up. Endeavoring to keep that spirit of unity and that bond of peace. The hardest thing sometimes to say is, I'm sorry, especially when you know you're not wrong. But I can also tell you this, Amber, the quickest road home is I'm sorry. Every time, Brother Roderick, the quickest road home is I'm sorry. Was for the prodigal, Brother T. He couldn't even get all that he rehearsed out of his mouth. And his daddy said, come here. He said, you had me and I'm sorry. Now let's get the new clothes and let's throw a barbecue. How many of you tonight would say, Brother Jake, I want to endeavor. I want to endeavor to keep the peace. I want to endeavor to handle conflict in a godly way. Now we're going to revisit this Wednesday. I've got two more points that I've got to preach. Got to. And we're going, to, we're going to believe the Lord to help us. Initiative. I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to endeavor. Maybe that initiative tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe tonight that initiative is going to have to happen with your spouse. Maybe that initiative is going to have to happen with your children. Whether they're little, whether they're teenagers, whether they're grown and out of the house. But I'll tell you this, life is too short to be wrapped up and be distracted by conflict. Maybe it's initiative. Maybe right now tonight God's dealing with your heart. It could be something about your job. Maybe today you left your employer. You left employees. Maybe you left folks at the job site. And maybe you know good and well their opinion of you or your testimony is not very high right now. And maybe the initiative has to be, I'm sorry. Maybe tonight it's a brother or sister in the Lord. Friends, that, that enemy is going to look to try to cause division any way he can. 
He will try to root and find his way in there, and he is banking on the fact that you will hold a grudge, that you will just hold on to it and get bitter, that you won't bring it up, and you'll secretly begin to hate somebody. Don't give place to the devil. Don't. You want to see the enemy run? You step into the light, and you do what is biblical. You do what is godly. And he cannot, he cannot live in a situation like that. Conflict. God, I pray you give us wisdom in conflict. Give us wisdom in our relationships. Give us wisdom in our friendships. Give us wisdom as the body of Christ, preferring one another, showing honor, edifying one another, loving one another. Help us tonight. Tonight, if you would say, Pastor, I want the Lord to help me in conflict. Brother Jacob, I was with you till you brought that up. Now, if I move out, people's going to think that, I, that, I, that I'm a pot stirrer, that I've got some kind of grudge. No, because I'll be honest with you. This altar call, everybody in this house should be in the altars. Because all of us, all of us, are up against things, differing opinions, different thoughts, different ideals, and we've got to work our way through it. But if you'd say, I want the Lord to help me, I want to exercise godly wisdom in my conflicts, why don't we come find ourselves a place in this altar? I know we've went a little bit later tonight, but why don't we come and just say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you challenge our hearts tonight? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Lord, I give you praise tonight for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for grace that's been extended. Thank you, Lord, that you've loved me. You've loved me through my issues. You've loved me through my situations. Lord, you've loved me in the, in the times where I've been the, uh, I have been the one causing conflict. And Lord, you've given us grace when, when, Lord, we are the ones that's needed forgiveness. And Lord, when we're the ones that need to forgive. Father, I pray you'd challenge us and check our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Father, I pray you'd help us, Lord, as we seek your face. Lord, I want my relationships to be right. Let me take the initiative. Let me take the initiative, Lord. Oh, to be willing to say I'm sorry. To be willing to make something right. To be willing, Lord. I don't want to call space. For there to be hard hearts, for there to be grudges, for the root of bitterness to spring up in my life. Lord, help me. Lord, help us tonight.